Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. I was actually going to open this whole thing by talking about Nancy Pelosi. She was on Stephen Colbert earlier in the week, and I had this clip pulled, and I was going to open with it, and I think I still will. But then this weird story about her husband, Paul Pelosi, broke on Friday, and you're going, what in the world? Apparently, some guy broke into the Pelosi household in San Francisco and attacked Paul Pelosi with a hammer? Like, what the heck is going on? Like, don't these people have security? I would think they have the most security of anybody. So it makes you wonder a little bit as we find out more details about this dude with a hammer attacking an 82-year-old man. Uh, Anyway, I am going to play that clip that I pulled from Nancy Pelosi. Doesn't it make you wonder about politics? Anything, anything that happens right before an election to the Speaker of the House. Now, this could be just something completely random, obviously. But doesn't your mind go, what's politically going on here? You know, like there could be something nefarious or something planned or the the spin. What's the spin going to be? Doesn't your mind go there always for that? I mean, even outside of election time. But literally, we're like a week and a half, barely, not even that, ahead of a midterm election in which... Republicans could take back control of the entire Congress and she could lose her job. And then you get the story, you go, man, what the heck? Well, anyway, here's her on Stephen Colbert. In 2018, when you were sitting right there in that chair, you came on here and you predicted Mm -hmm. that the Democrats were going to pick up seats in the Congress on a large scale. They did. They picked up 40 seats in, in the House, a real wave. What is your prediction for the election that's a little bit more than a month away? Madam Speaker, you have the floor. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because I believe that we will win the hold the House, and we will hold the House by winning more seats. Uh, We won the 40 seats. Then we lost some when Trump was on the ballot. We lost some in the Trump districts, uh, but we held held enough seats to hold the House with him on the ballot. He's not on the ballot now. Oh, did I say his name? I didn't mean to. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have the videotapes fumigated. Perhaps you could leap that out. (laughs) Everybody's having a pretty good time. Uh, So that's Nancy Pelosi on Stephen Colbert, of course, with an unbiased audience who clap at the idea that she's saying they're going to hold the House. Not only are they going to hold the House, according to Nancy Pelosi, and she's going to keep her job, they're going to gain seats in the House. (laughs) Okay. Uh, She's either one of two things, and I think I know which one. She's either, A, living in such an incredible bubble that she's not seen that Republicans have virtually no chance of not taking the House back. Even just due to redistricting, you guys, Real Clear Politics average of polls, which of course I watch like a hawk, has them gaining on average. So just 
just a normal night happens on November 8th, 30 seats. The floor, as in the lowest amount they could gain, would be 12, according to the polls. That doesn't mean they're right. It just means if you're averaging all things out, the absolute basement number, like GOP has a terrible night, still has Nancy Pelosi losing the House. (laughs) So, uh, in the Senate, Real Clear Politics average right now is GOP gaining three seats. So we're talking about some pretty big stuff here. And, of course, she is out there saying this. Now, I don't think she's actually in a bubble. I think what's going on is that she's spinning it. She doesn't want to lose her job. She's trying to give voters confidence because there's probably a pretty decent malaise that's about to set in for Democrats if they don't. And I I think we're going to see this. Look, get rid of all the polls. I love polls, but get rid of them for a second. In a midterm election in which the president's party has power of Congress— it's always a bad year for the power and party, <laughs> the power and party, the party in power. We saw it in 2018. You see it in 2014. You see it every midterm election. It happens. So just get ready for it. It's just a matter of what it's going to look like. We don't know exactly, but it's going to be pretty good. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Trisha, Trisha, welcome to Wiggins America. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you for being here, even though our other co-host, Old Roy, has been avoiding us like the plague because he is opening a business. Is it us? I, I assume that it is because That's I take I everything too. personally. Mm-hmm. But once I take a step back and I get my feelings out of the way, I realize that he has told me several times that he's trying to open a business right now. And it has nothing to do with us. Uh, yeah, I feel right. the same I guess way. I'll take it take for what it is for yeah now, but but i do have a couple of really 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 interesting stories that i wanted to talk specifically with you about this week wonderful um th- this has been a crazy week hasn't it it sure has i mean when do we not say that lately especially leading up to a midterm but in st louis this has been a crazy week we'll talk about that more next hour but um this one really caught my attention and i'm just gonna throw it out and i want to see what you want to say about it and we'll go from there This is from Sky News, so it's international news. Even priests and nuns watch pornography, the Pope says. And he is urging priests and nuns, I guess, to delete adult apps from their phone. Have you heard this? No. I have not seen... I thought this would be one of those stories that everybody would talk about. It becomes kind of viral. This is a widespread problem enough that the Pope needed to make a statement on it? Apparently. Apparently. And... When I first saw it, I thought, well, that's a funny story. But ultimately, considering the abuse story stuff that's gone on within the church here and probably abroad, too, I don't really know outside the United States, that's something that seems like it would be an absolutely uh, connected material, you know, sure. something that you would say because you're saying down the line, 
this could lead to X, Y, Z. Now, I, that's where I wanted to talk to you about it, because is that something that you would connect those dots? Because I absolutely do to say, I so nip it in the bud, right? I would say, and obviously you're a lot more versed on the religious aspect of it. I would say I would not make a leap from a pornography watcher to a predator in sure. real life. Yeah. I, so, I don't think that you can definitively say, well, one leads to the other. Right. Because obviously some people stop it right there. Yeah. I mean, I think, so to answer your question, no. But if it's frowned upon in the church, I'm wondering how many of these um, religious leaders are sharing the information that they are consuming pornography. Right. Yeah. On a scale to where the Pope was like, whoa, 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 slow down, guys. Yeah, how does he know that this is a problem on specifically with apps? You know, I mean, yeah. he, he addressed it and said, look, a lot of you have apps on your phone that you shouldn't have. Well, okay, don't know how you knew that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I wonder if they're going to, you know, I'm not Catholic, but my assumption is that within the church, people who are high up within the church would have to also go to confession, and so do they confess to him? Like, if you become a bishop, who do you confess to? Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to that. I Somebody listening either. probably does know. Let me know. But I wonder if that's how the Pope would find out is that his own um, bishops and... Is it a betrayal of, like, the confession? Well, he's not necessarily calling any one per- person out. So he's saying this is becoming a problem. I don't know. I think that's... I know what you're saying. Like now now that I've told you, now that you're telling the world that we all have problems, you mm-hmm. know? But at the same time, I don't know. That's a good question too. Should this have be, remained an internal discussion between him and the people around him? Mm-hmm. An but, internal memo maybe. But if it's my guess is I love that he's addressing this first of all. But my guess is that he can't go and talk to every single priest in in the world. And so he's getting the idea that probably through confessions, this is a problem that goes beyond just the little Vatican circle that he's in. This is a worldwide problem within the church. And I'm probably, I'm talking about Catholic church, but I think probably within the church as in Christianity. I mean, I know people struggle with this in every denomination. Mm -hmm. So I love that he's addressing that. And it is a concern like, like it's something that plagues so many people who don't. And look, if you're one, if you're listening right now and you're like, I love porn and I have no qualms about it. That's you. I'm not telling you to change. Yeah. I am telling you that if you are going to say I'm a Christian and I follow the Bible, then you got some problems trying to reconcile those two things. And I know that a lot of people that I personally know struggle with pornography. They struggle with lust and addictions and things like that. And it is, to me, one of the only sins, if you want to call it that, which I am, that people have a terrible time confessing because other addictions, man, alcoholism, drug addiction, those are things that they might have shame associated with them. But ultimately, we have a society that kind of says, you know what, if you open up about it, we got a lot of help for you. But with sex addiction, man, most people do not ever talk about that. Well, no. 
I almost fall into the other camp where I think that the people that do, and this is probably why people don't talk about it, the people that do talk about being uh, unfaithful in their marriages because of their sex addiction, it's like, do you have a sex addiction or... Or are you a person? <laughs> are you like a human and just won't control your urges? Yeah, but but I think you're you're illustrating the opposite side of the same coin as I am. I think you're saying, I think you think you're saying the opposite. I think we're saying the same thing. I'm just not sure it's an addiction. Sure, sure. Like you're saying this mm-hmm. is a common problem that all people deal with. This is it. And yeah. then if you put a label on it, you're saying, oh, well, I have a thing now. And ultimately, what you have is being born into the human race. Yeah. Well, people, the the higher profile cases that you hear about this, like celebrities or whatever, will come out and say, I have a sex addiction. That's why yeah. I cheated was on it my Ethan wife. Was Hawk that said that? Maybe. I remember a country singer, her husband was yeah. struggling with sex addiction. Well, like, no, your husband just sleeps around and he's probably yes. not a good husband. It's probably time to find a new husband if you want a faithful partner. Yeah. <sighs> I but I think what I'm saying is not, oh, you know, show the world that you have a sex addiction so that you can put a label on it so that you can. It's almost used as an excuse. Excuse it. Put... Exactly. I think what I'm saying is if the average person is dealing with that, then it's rare to see the person come out and say, I have this problem. Like the, the person that's using it as an excuse is also that's. I dumb. would think that. A, a person of faith would be more inclined to use confession as a time to talk about that mm-hmm. in a way of, you know, the same way people that aren't as faithful go to therapy to talk about it. And because yeah. sometimes getting those thoughts out of your head really does sure. help alleviate a lot of that. Well, wrapping a, a bow around this thing just so we don't it's a weird belabor thing to do it. With this yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> just put a nice little bow yeah, on this sex it, addiction. Yeah, dog. Isn't that nice? I said, you know what? Let's talk about sex. I'm going to wait until Trish is here. Let's open, <laughs> let's open awesome. that up. Yeah. Um, let's tie in religion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I think bringing this back full circle, the way we originally talked about this was, is the Pope doing the right thing in sort of making this very, very public? Even though I, again, haven't seen this in the news much, Mm-mm. but he did broadcast it versus talking about it individually and and what I've seen in my own church churches that I've been to and church circles is that the best way to deal with this because there is so much shame in it is to talk about it in very small groups find your if your guy talk about it with a couple dudes or if your girl talk about it with a couple girls and then have that accountability but I just don't I I do want to change I don't know it's hard to say I want to change the conversation on these things because I don't have that much power to do that. The Pope probably does. Um, and I like that he's opening that door because I think there are a lot of people who do want to deal with this and get help, but they don't really know where. And I think somebody as as big as the Pope, it's 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 always in the dark shadows. Like this is a subject that's not talked about as much in especially traditional churches. And so I like that he's opening that door a little bit. I don't think that him broadcasting it is the solution to the problem, but him opening that and then allowing people to sort of walk through doors with individuals in their lives, with other men, other women in the faith, to me, that is actually a great step forward. So that's coming full circle for me. Where I, you know, after the initial shock of seeing the story, mm-hmm. I had to kind of. I still would like to know where he's getting all of this information. I would think I it's too. an unspoken thing. Uh huh. Like, hey, you're not supposed to do this. Yeah. 
but we're seeing an uptick in this. I'm going to address it. Like, how are you seeing that uptick? I don't. I wonder if they're even seeing an uptick, or if they just know this has always been a problem. Technology is basically just putting the gas down on it Mm -hmm. because this isn't like a new problem. It's just it's so much more accessible than it used to be. Yeah, for everybody. For everybody. Mm -hmm. So, all right, uh, can you stick around for another segment? Absolutely. I promise we won't talk about this. Yeah, ninety-seven-one FM Talk. This is Wiggins America. This is the time when Trisha and I ask some very. We get down to brass tacks. We ask some serious questions. Serious questions. So, you want to go first? Sure. Please do. All right. Uh, with no further ado, let me just go. Okay, go. All right. Philadelphia officials greased light poles in anticipation of Phillies World Series clinch. In anticipation of a Phillies World Series clinch, city workers spent most of the day applying grease to city's light poles to prevent enthusiastic fans from climbing them while celebrating. But the fans managed to climb anyway. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually kind of impressed by that. Yeah. Um, I didn't know this was a thing that I didn't know they city did this resources either. went to. There's not much more to the story other than a bunch of people still climbed up the light poles. I actually think it's kind of cool when people climb light poles to, you know... Well, my celebrate. serious question here is, have you ever climbed something and then gotten stuck? Serious question. <laughs> like a cat? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, exactly like a cat. Like a cat I thought would. you meant, like, have I climbed like, a cat? Like, have I climbed a cat? Yeah. No. Uh, short answer, no. Have you? <laughs> I think probably when I was little, went too far up a tree. You know, come help me down. Yeah. That kind of thing. Okay. Short story. Wasn't me. But my son was two or three years old. We went to the Magic House. And there's a part in the Magic House that, man, and I don't know if the Magic House is way different from when I was a kid. Because I have memories of being three, four years old and walking through a mirror maze or something in the Magic House and thinking, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It's also a little scary, but it's pretty amazing. And then touching that static ball. Yep. And that's all I remember. And thinking that the place was not that big. I mean, a few rooms... And there was something about a cow that was standing off in the distance and a cow that was up close. And if you move, they switched. Can you tell if this is a memory or a dream you had? Yeah, this is getting into some deep psychological (laughs) issues here. But uh, when I took my son, I thought, and this place is about five times as big as I thought. And usually it's the reverse, right? When you're a kid, you think everything's bigger. And then when you become an adult, it's the opposite. You're like, oh, this isn't big. So I wonder if it's just bigger than it used to be. I don't know. But anyway, there's a slide that I remembered from being a kid. I'm like, oh, I do remember this. You have to go up about three or four stories on stairs, and then you just come down an indoor slide that just, you know, it's one of those tube slides. So I thought, well, he's two or three years old. There's nowhere else for him to go. I'm going to let him climb these stairs by himself. He was kind of asking me if he could. So he wanted to be independent. Mm-hmm. So And I remembered it. So I'm like, okay, I'll let you go up, and I'll be at the bottom here so that when you come down, well, he goes up those stairs. Two or three minutes go by, and I'm like, man, it must be a long line because there's a lot of kids coming down that. And then finally, I see a, co- a kid come down the slide that I saw go up that you after know was him. after your kid. And I was like, uh oh. <laughs> oh, buddy. What stuck is up going there. on? Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, torn between do I run up the stairs because he could come down then right when I'm gone and he'd freak out. So I run up the stairs anyway, and he's gone. Oh, there apparently no. is a whole nother area that you could climb into, and it goes into the rest of the magic house. No. And I had no clue, and he 
was gone and oh, knew that he had road. no way to come back and was just stopped in the middle of the magic house crying. <laughs> D- and nobody knew Sport who his parents kid. were. That's so, terrifying. That's not exactly an answer to your question, but there was climbing involved. And uh, that's my most recent memory of it. So cool. Uh, here's mine. World's dirtiest man, Amu Haji. And I don't know how they determined that he was, like, is there a contest where you determine dirt? But he, they, they dubbed him world's dirtiest man who last showered 60 years ago wow. is, is, is dead. He finally died at R. age R. 94. Uh, he's an Iranian hermit who had been dubbed the world's dirtiest man after not showering. The reason that he didn't is because apparently he believes soap and water would make him sick. Hmm. He lived in 94. Might be right. Might be so, onto something. Serious question. Would you stop bathing or washing if you knew you'd live to 94? Serious question. No. <clears throat> Caveat to the question. If this was offered to you at any other point in your life, so you're in your mid-30s, I understand why you would say no. <laughs> because you still got whoever knows how how long ahead of you. But if you're 70 years old and it's offered to you again, at that point, do you consider it? You got another 24 years you could live, but you can't bathe. I still think no, because I think that I'm going to get to a point in my life, God willing, that it'll be my time and that'll be based on the people I love around me. And I'm not going to have those people if I stink. And if if something, uh, God forbid, happens prematurely, I'm not going to want to live, you know, yeah. extra those extra years. I just think there are too many variables. I do too to I, go through life stinking. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll boil that down a little bit easier and say I don't actually care about living that long. <laughs> I, I don't. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. The age the the age point is not something that is yeah. enticing to me. It's quality of life and yeah. the people in my life. It's weird because. I don't have any sort of death wish, but I also just don't care. I, I, I don't know a whole lot of people. I don't want to. I want to live a long, full life. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. But I also, if somebody goes, yeah, you know what? You'll probably die at about 60. I'd say, oh, that's, that, that's earlier than I want to die. But, you know, I've, I've lived a life. I, I just, I don't know. I believe in the afterlife so much that I kind of. That you're not fearful of I'm not death. fearful of it mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And it, it's weird to say that. No, I'm with you. Because when I say it, you, and especially if I'm like having a bad week or something, my wife would be like, yeah, you kind of feel, you, you just want to die, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, kind of, I just want to like escape, you know? It's it's a weird thing to talk about because it's not suicidal at all. No. And that's the Very only different. context that we ever talk about somebody not wanting to live is in suicide. But that is not at all what I feel. I just am like, yeah, this week kind of sucked. The, the pain of general living is enough that I actually am looking forward to heaven and therefore I don't even care about living. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a stupid, it sounds stupid it's when I say it. It's all nuanced though. Yes. You yes. know, because you don't want to, you don't actually feel that way because you don't want to leave your kids exactly. prematurely and you don't want to leave your wife prematurely. Yes. You want the full extent of this human experience for the people around you. It's 100% right. And also... I would never do anything to like speed up the process because I feel honestly like, well, God put me on this earth. 
I'm going to live however long he tells me I'm going to live, and I want to accomplish everything he has for me to accomplish here for him, for his kingdom, and then I can go. And whenever he decides that is, I'm fine with it. Yep. And I just, I'm I don't want, that. I, I think probably like most people, I don't want between now and then to be sucky, whether that be emotionally or with me with cystic fibrosis. I'm like, what's life going to be like when I'm 55? Will I have trouble breathing? You know, I have no idea, but I don't want to live a really terrible existence, at least according to what I would consider terrible. I, I would have to get over whatever that was, but I know yeah. that's, that's my only fear. I fear that part of life more than death itself. Yeah, I'm with you. Your turn. All right. Pastor claims Democrats boil children. A Nebraska pastor is raising eyebrows with his latest claim. He delivered a sermon Sunday attacking the Democratic Party, saying the left is boiling children to be eaten. He uh, goes on about some stuff I don't really want to comment on. And then, well, you're okay with the other stuff, but then it, get, then it more, gets too much for how you. Many, he wraps up with how many more kids are going to have to be boiled and eaten because you won't do anything because you don't want to get involved in politics. Hmm. Hmm. Is right. Serious question. Serious question. Has this ever been a concern of yours? For all of the, like, Democratic, the Democratic platform, all of the things, taxes, social agenda, are, have you ever been concerned that Democrats are boiling and eating children? Uh, can't say I have. Although, bring the receipts, man. If you're gonna, If you're going to make the claim... I, I, Tell me where you're getting it. I guess if somebody puts that out there and has proof, we can talk about it then. That's the biggest trouble with so many of these things is that I, we've all seen the craziest internet rumors about like Tom Hanks drinking baby blood and stuff. Yeah, you know? what is that? I have no idea. I hear that Jennifer Aniston does it too. Oh, that's news to me. Yeah. I think it's any successful celebrity that is aging well or has a good plastic surgeon. Oh, that's what they're saying. The root of it. Yeah. The, there's always like this rumor that the Hollywood elites are drinking baby's blood. Is that? That's I mean, that's one of them. I'm just using that as an example that come from? of some of the most extreme things. Mm-hmm. And look, here's the thing. I will I will listen to you make that claim, but then you got to back it up. Mm-hmm. And I cannot find anybody to back these things up. Yeah, so, it's bizarre. And, and there's all kinds of, I mean, the the John Podesta stuff with Pizzagate and all that. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I mean, bring it. Say say your piece. But then give me more evidence than hearsay. And then they, they you know, these things, they always have a little bit, like, here's a little bit, but it's never quite enough. But I don't know. It's It's like I always want to leave the door cracked just in case. Because there are so many darn things over the last couple of years, especially, that you go, actually, there was some truth to that thing about COVID or whatever. I mean, there's so many of those things, but they're always a kernel of truth wrapped in a whole lot of other stuff that you kind of get to dig through. Well, and I don't know this pastor, obviously, because I don't spend a lot of time in Nebraska churches, but my assumption is... He's making a. He's using this for shock value to make a bigger point about the impact of, you know, the changing social social landscape. Basically, it's, yeah. Well, it's but you know, always cracks me up about these is that for whatever reason, the pastor in Nebraska whose church is probably about fifteen people, 
that guy is saying something that's probably legitimately crazy, unless we're proven otherwise. And it is going to be broadcast all over the world. And here we are. And and yet the Pope is talking about actual sex addiction in the church. And we're getting the same coverage. Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's all right here on Wiggins America, though. It's exactly. You got two hours of the most important news possible. <laughs> uh, on that, we'll break. I'm actually going to come back here. And uh, I can't wait to talk about this. It isn't the most important thing. Um, but Ted Cruz was on The View. And if you haven't seen this yet, we're going to break down some of the best clips of this interview because I freaking love it. Stick around. If you think The View is dumb, that's fine. I also think The View is dumb. I also am, though, of the camp who thinks that conservatives should absolutely go on The View and other shows like it. Is the deck stacked against you? Yes. Does it matter? Yes, it does matter. But the conservative cause and principles are so much better and easier to defend that you can have five on one and still walk away a winner, especially with somebody who's as good at debating as Ted Cruz. Now, he comes off as smarmy and stuff, you know. He doesn't have the charisma and charm of some politicians, but he's a smart guy, and he knows how to defend his positions. He's a, he's He's good at doing it. So, a while back, there was, I guess probably only a month or two ago, there was a discussion about Ron DeSantis going on The View. And they invited him, and he denied them. And my position was that he should do it. Now, he doesn't have a lot to gain from doing it other than just espousing the conservative cause, which is what Ted Cruz did. So, he appeared on The View this week. And it was glorious. I thought it was fantastic. And I think more conservatives should do it, even though the deck is stacked against you, because you can still walk away winning. And when you can do it in their territory, man, does it make them look bad. Well, that's where we're at right now. So I'm going to play some clips. I pulled three clips from that interview, which was only about eight, nine minutes long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. That would be the whole segment. And I think, though... These are the best clips that came from it. The first one being the longest. It's about election denial. Love the topic. It's beyond even the actual topic itself. It's become now a political football. Here's Ted Cruz debating with all of the View hosts, especially Whoopi Goldberg. Say the election was fair and square and legitimate. You know who y'all don't do that to? You don't do it to Hillary Clinton, who stood up and said Trump but stole the election. You who said that the election was stolen. They sat here yes. and said it was That's illegitimate, right. and, and, it and was. you guys were fine with it. Okay, so, so, so it's illegitimate did, did when Republicans she, did, win, the, but not when Democrats win. No, win. you know, here's the thing. We may not like when Republicans win, but we don't go and we don't storm. We don't try to change what. Did I miss an entire year of Antifa riots where cities across this country were burning and police cars were being firebombed? Your position is the left doesn't engage in violence, really? No, they wanted to miss our friend Mike Pence. You just accused us of doing something we didn't do. You said Hillary Clinton didn't say whatever she didn't say. I'm saying to you, listen. And she said we it's sitting said, here, and you we were fine come, with her saying it was illegitimate come, yes, for, for Republicans her it was. to win. She called so Donald Trump the next opinion. morning, and yeah. she conceded the election, Ted. Okay, Who took the Look. call? As 
She sat there while, while Donald Hillary Trump was Clinton getting sworn Trump in. Hillary Clinton says Trump is an illegitimate Two president. Hillary Clinton right. says the it's election is stolen from you. Hillary Clinton in 2002, George W. Bush was no, selected, not, not elected. Paperwork. Joe Biden, <laughs> Al Gore was, was elected president. So Joe Biden yeah. claims George W. Bush is illegitimate. So I stopped it there just because they sort of veer off the topic then. But uh, it's good stuff. It's good debate. Um, I I mean, I say it's good debate. Some of the points that Whoopi Goldberg are making are so stupid. I mean, one of them, I don't know what an Antifa riot is. You're accusing me of doing something that I didn't do. What are you saying then that Ted Cruz was breaking windows in the Capitol? He was a sitting U.S. senator. He didn't do any of the January 6th stuff. That's a stupid argument. But all of this stuff is, I mean, is anything really happening here? Maybe not. But gosh, there are people. Now, I don't know any of these people. Maybe they do exist. They must exist. Who watch The View. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. They seem like they are fairy tale people, but apparently they exist. They're real. There are people who watch The View every day. It's one of the top-rated TV shows, daytime TV shows, which is not saying much because nobody watches TV anymore. Nobody watches daytime TV even before nobody watched TV. <laughs> but so to be king among uh, daytime TV is to be the tallest person in a room full of little people. I can't, I mean, am I supposed to say that anymore? I don't even know. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so with Ted Cruz going on The View, uh, you know, this might be the only exposure they have to any of these rebuttals. So I like that. So here's the next one from Ted Cruz. I'll just play it. What is the Republican agenda? It's very simple. I'll give you three words. Jobs, freedom, and security. When it comes to jobs, listen, when you cut taxes, when you reduce regulations, when small businesses expand, you have lots and lots of jobs. Does Under the Trump government still? Uh, sure, no, no, government has important roles, but, but let's be clear. Under the Trump administration with Republican majorities in both houses, we had the lowest unemployment in 50 years. We had the lowest African-American unemployment deficit in years. ever recorded. No, not we're at 31 trillion now. So I agree the deficit. Listen, I've stood up to my own party a bunch of times. But when you've got poverty going down, we had the lowest African-American unemployment ever recorded, lowest Hispanic unemployment ever recorded. That's a big deal. And this election in November, I think, is going to be a tidal wave. I think Republicans are going to retake both houses. And the biggest reason, people at home are saying, okay, is my life better today than it was two years ago? And I think for the vast majority of Americans, the answer is no. What is the Republic that, That's pretty much the only, the only softball question he got the whole time, was what's the Republican agenda? So, that, okay, that's fine. And he did a good job of explaining that. Again, people who are watching this, they might not have ever heard these things. Although, I mean, if you're watching The View every day, you're pretty much in the tank for the Democrats at this point. I mean, it's just a political prop propaganda show at at this stage. At one point, maybe it wasn't, but it certainly is now. <clears throat> the other thing that the only thing that they were able to push back on on anything that Ted Cruz said there was such a it, it, these are terrible arguments. Again, this is making my point that it's good for conservatives to go into these situations because they can win. The only argument they had against his laid out Republican agenda right there was, 
Well, yeah, but then government spending was high and, and the deficit was at record highs under Trump. That's a good point. Trump, I'm sorry, Cruz acknowledges that and says, I've had to push back against my own party on some of that stuff. Good for him and good for people like Rand Paul who do do that consistently. And Mike Lee of Utah who does that quite often too. Not many p- people do, even on the Republican side, and that is a travesty. But Ted Cruz does. He was able to point that out and say that we should be doing it more and say that what a dumb point for you to make when the deficit is higher now than it's ever been, even under Trump. So you're making a a point that contradicts itself even in current reality, and you know that. You know, I would think, that these hosts know that the def- if they're going to talk about the deficit at all, they would know that it's higher now than it was even a couple years ago. That's why we have inflation. That's why it's one of the biggest issues. Anyway, here's the last clip that I chose to pull from this. It's one that actually didn't make the show. It's going to sound a little funky, but I'll explain it. Listen. This reason people at home are saying, okay, is my life better today than it was two years ago? And I think for the vast majority of Americans, the answer is no. Okay, so then they cut, then they cut. So that's that's the end of him explaining the Republican agenda that didn't make the show, but somebody had a clip of it. What was going on there is he just gets done explaining, yeah, we want lower taxes and we want less spending and blah, 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 and, you know, more unemployment for even the minorities. And then somebody stands up in the audience and yells, F you, Ted. So they bleep it out or they blank it out. And he's just sitting there looking at him and he does his weird little smile that's uncomfortable. And then they see, they yell it again. So they cut that from the broadcast but my gosh, if that doesn't exemplify everything about why a conservative should go on the view, you you're you're making the argument without even making it. You didn't you didn't even have to do anything. You went up there and he could have been as benign as possible, which he wasn't. He did fight back on a lot of that stuff and was good at it. But somebody in the audience stands up and just yells F you Ted. If that's the best argument you have against Ted Cruz is that you don't like him. Well, then sorry, you've lost. And I think that interview, while again, not the most important thing of the week, that stuff matters. I'll joke that it doesn't, but it does matter. It does. Somebody like that going on The View and fighting the good fight matters. And if all they can say is at the end, somebody stands up and yells, F you, I think... I think I rest my case. Get more at 971talk.com. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.